The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Our sermon text for this morning is from the last couple of verses of Romans chapter 8. I don't want to give too much of an introduction because they really do speak for themselves. I'd invite you to open up your bulletins to page 10. And if you're at home on Zoom, thanks for being with us. Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. And hold on to these dear and precious verses from our Savior. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Robert Cialdini said that there are six basic principles of what it takes to convince someone in life. The first one is reciprocity, like the give and take between another person. The next one is scarcity. The next one is authority, who it's coming from. The next one is the consistency that you'll have in having to convince someone. The next is the likability of the person that you're trying to convince or the person who's trying to do the convincing, how likable they are. And then consensus, that this is a good deal. That's a lot of steps to try and convince someone. You would think it'd be pretty easy, but convincing someone takes a lot of work. Advertising agencies and businesses, they're going to spend millions and millions of dollars trying to figure out the best way to phrase a specific sentence to figure out the best way to convince you that their product is better than anyone else's on the market. Just in a short amount of time, we're going to start seeing candidates from both sides of the aisle stand up in front of you and for about 90 seconds try and pitch to you why they are the best person to represent you. Maybe it's not even just data-driven on how you can get convinced. Maybe it's as simple as seeing that there's a car and there's a bridge. And the car goes over the bridge and it goes safely to the other side. And that's it. That's all it takes to convince you. For Paul, it was a whole lot more simple. All he had to do was look at what Christ had done for him. And that left him totally convinced that you are more. You are more than any trial and tribulation that you think defines you. You are more than a conqueror through what Christ has done for you. And you are never separated from the love 
of Christ, but from the love of God. Now, Paul tried. He really tried. If you read through these verses again, you're going to see that Paul tried so hard to find a way to find a possible maneuver or a possible sliver of how we could be separated from the love of God. He tries four times to find a way to get through it, but he keeps up coming short. He, keeps, he tries to figure all this out because he wants to figure out, the, he wants to find an answer to the question that we all ask ourselves and people who aren't Christians ask themselves, themselves too. Can I be separated from the love of God? I don't know if you guys have ever heard about separation anxiety, but it's a real thing that afflicts a lot of people. Especially comes to kids when they're younger, they're separated from mom or dad for a little bit, and they're wondering, hey, is mom or dad ever going to come back? If they go to the grocery store, are they ever going to come back? It happens to adults, too. Adults will have separation anxiety if they're away from their families long enough. They'll have separation anxiety if they don't hear from a loved one or from a significant other for a while. Have you ever felt like you have separation anxiety with God? Have you ever felt like you've just, for some reason or another, there's this distance between you and God and from you and the love of God? Have you ever felt like maybe it feels like this is more of a long-distance relationship with God and I haven't really heard from him or from a while? And the goals that we set up with each other, God, it seems like we're not meeting them. Have you ever felt like you have a little bit of separation anxiety with God? Do you know what isn't included in this list of things that could separate us from God? God. His love cannot be outreached. Count how many people can be against us. Count how many things can try and separate us from God. No one is able to. Know this. Separation from the love of God is an impossibility for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we say that God is for us, that is a bold, that is a brave, that is a defiant word in our lives. We are willing to say that God is for us. Who can be against us? I can stand strong in the face of any trouble. God is for us is what someone says when they have a settled confidence in their minds that they know how firm their salvation is, know exactly who they are in Christ Jesus, and know the plans that God has for them, and that they are good. God is for us is what someone says when they know that the Messiah was willing to die for them and procure their salvation for them. So many times, Paul tries to stretch the limits of human language to try and find a way to separate us from the love of God, and he can't find it. Every time he comes up with silence, he can't find an answer. And don't let that just be something that you pass off or just yawn away. This is something that we, sh- we can have so much joy over. It means that you are more than any trial or tribulation that comes to you. You are more than a conqueror. What does Paul say? He doesn't say that we're just a survivor in this world. We don't just barely make it through. He says that we're more than a conqueror. More than conquerors because of what God has done for us. It comes naturally for us to want to have anxiety and doubt and fear about the security of our salvation. But look at verse 32 again. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, 
how will he not also along with them graciously give us all things? God is so for us. And with Jesus, our troubles and tribulations and temptations, they're just, they're a momentary thing. But we know the world around us, don't we? We've seen the world. We know what the world says about Christians. We know what the world says about non-Christians too. We know that the world is going to say, hey, look at this guy. He's a Christian, but he sins. I've seen what he does by himself. I see what he does when he's not around other Christians. I know exactly who this person is. They'll say, hey, look at this person. Look at her. Isn't she great? She says she's a Christian, but she sins. Christian life is a spiritual battle. We know that Christ has won this battle for us. But we still have to, we still live in this creation. We still await the glory. There's danger around every corner. There's famine. There's persecution. There's danger. It's everywhere. Can this statement be true that God is for us? Can it be real that God is for us? There was a time in the Bible when Israel was going up in a war against the kingdom of Aram. And they had, they had a little bit of, they had some troubles and they had some tensions between them. And the prophet Elijah, Elisha found himself in the, middle of those, in the middle of those battles too. Whenever that Aram would try and get around and surround Israel for a, for a battle in this war, Elisha would get a message that they were going to try and do a sneak attack or a battle against Israel. And just in the nick of time, Israel would be able to get their people there and be able to stop this battle from happening. And the king of Aram said, enough, I'm sick of this. (laughs) We need to get rid of this Elisha guy. He seems to be a thorn in our side. So eventually what they did is while Elisha and his his helper, they they were sleeping out at night, Aram got around them and they surrounded them. And then the, the, the helper, his servant, came, got up in the morning and he said, Elisha, look around us. We're completely surrounded by these people. What are we going to do? And Elisha said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. And he prayed that the Lord would open the eyes of his servant and his helper who was with them. And when the servant opened his eyes, he saw that around them, he saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God is so for us. Who could be against us? One pastor that I really trust in my life said this, that it's only with an open Bible are we able to say anything with certainty at all. Where I grew up out in the Midwest, it got cold really, really fast. And when you're trying to train for cross-country or track and field, the sidewalks, when they get icy, that can make for some very interesting runs and some very daunting runs. One of my teammates could not figure out how to run on sidewalks when it was icy. He kept on slipping. He kept on banging his legs. He's like, dude, how in the world are you able to do this? And I said, John, all you need to do is you, you have to have confidence in knowing where you're stepping, that you won't slip and that you won't fall. When we can embrace this reality that God is for us, it changes our outlook on life. It gets icy, and there's plenty of places that the devil is going to try and set up in your life to find a way that you can trip, 
that you can fall, where it's much easier to just sit this one out and not keep going on and training in the Christian life. But how can we have fear and doubt? And how can we not be so certain when we have a God who says in the Bible that he will not let your foot dash against a stone? How can we have doubts and fear and anxiety about our salvation when we can read through the Bible from front to end and see a God who is unfathomably faithful to us? To a nation in Israel that wanted to make a golden calf instead of worship the God Almighty. Where we can read in the Bible that there is a God who is so for us that he did not spare his own son to procure salvation for us. With an open Bible in our hands, all we can say is that God is immeasurably good and we can love and trust him in all things. Whatever the cost, whatever the aspect, whatever the trial, all of it's trivial. Will God continue to love me? Is God for us? It was Jesus who said in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you whenever people heap insults upon you and persecute you. And while telling falsehoods, say all kinds of evil against you for my sake. Rejoice, yes, be filled with unrestrained gladness, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way did they persecute the prophets who lived before your time. God expected it. And God, in his eternal wisdom, elected you to be a child of God, to have this love of God, and to be never separated from it. When you're convinced that you can never be separated from the love of God, that changes your outlook on life. You can be so certain that God is for you because of what Christ has done for you. There's no reason for you to open the case that is already being closed against you. God has looked at it, and he's looked at his son, and he's forgiven your sins. You don't have to play God anymore. There's nothing that is able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not an angel or a demon. Nothing in this present or nothing in the future. Nothing in all of creation can do this. Don't let it. Be convinced. Let the Spirit convince you. It's convinced me. And I pray it'll convince you. Amen.